another episode of Podcasts and Players. <laughs> I'm your host, Shane. And with me today is a returning guest, my good friend, Vitamin Dieter. Say hi, Vitamin Dieter. Hey. Hey. Well, good to be here. Glad to have that intro, too. I, too, think of you as a good friend. Yes. Uh, we're such good friends that we decided, um, after hanging out basically every day, that maybe we should just, <laughs> like, record that. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that we would do... Uh, is, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's... Yeah, leave, like, give them a little tease, and then we'll get yeah, to it a yeah, little yeah. later. I'll give you some suspense, audience, since this is our Halloween episode here. Um, first of all, if you don't know who Vitamin Dieter is, he was on the third episode of Podcast and Players. I've interviewed him before. Yeah. And he, me and he, me and he, <laughs> <laughs> he and I <laughs> have uh, collaborated on a number of different projects together already. Um mm -hmm. If you go to his channel, Vitamin Dieter, on YouTube, you will find lots of really good videos, including, I think even today, he's going to be releasing the highlights of our uh, Among Us game that we played a few days back. There was a, yeah, there was a stream on Arcane Gate, uh, their Twitch channel, and uh, I'm putting together a bunch of the highlights that I recorded myself. Yes, it will be pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. Uh, I had a really, it was my first time ever playing Among Us. So if you want to uh, see more of that, you can always go to Arcane Gates uh, YouTube or Twitch where they have their saved videos, uh, or you can uh, go subscribe to Vitamin Dieter so that you can know exactly when he drops his uh, his um uh, what, would, what would you My call new, that like uh, a collage? Collage, <laughs> yeah, a little uh, highlight reel. Yeah, highlight reel. That's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thing. I got uh, I got some D and D stuff going on over there. I like to mess around with uh, the idea of D and D with some of my videos, so it's not just like uh, story times and stuff like that. Even though those are very fun to watch, I do uh, have like uh, kind of those things or that video that I put up before with the Pokemon or D and D kind of thing to just have it as a theme. Yeah, there's all sorts of. Uh, content that he makes but one thing that you can always count on is that Dieter is really really good at what he does so please if you're not already subscribed go subscribe to him if you are good well thank you all right now um i want to just take a quick opportunity to uh give everyone a little update because i said on the last podcast and players episode um after i talked to uh, jess i was like i'm not releasing another thing on this channel until i finish the Peace Guild episode three, he said with his foot in his mouth. Um, so, first of all, I really, really intended by that point that I would be able to get the episode out by Halloween. Um, now, on uh, Twitter, I kind of made it like a little announcement, but for all my listeners out there who are kind of wondering what's going on, uh, it's... Dieter can attest to this. You've seen how close to finish this thing is. Yeah. Like, 95%, maybe even 96% done. Right, you're right at the deadline. You're right at the finish it's line. It's really close to done. I just got, like, the hardest part of the animation to animate now. It's like the ending part where all the exciting shit's happening. So, I'm getting through that, and I'm, I want it to look good. I want it to... I Like, I know a lot of people will just kind of do whatever works, and that's fine. But I don't want to just do what works. I want to make it look fucking nice. As good as I can make it, right? So... I am taking a little more time on it so I can continue to get sleep. 
I understand that it would have been better timing if it came out for Halloween. Uh, that would have been really cool, because it is like a haunted house with ghosts and stuff, but... Unfortunately, um, we're gonna have to just wait till November, and November is for sure when it's coming out. Uh, either mid to late November, I cannot tell you what time of the month it's coming out. I'm done predicting specific times. Alright, that's just been a big mistake for me. So, uh, anyone who's kind of wondering when that video is coming out, November's the month. Um, mid to late, for sure. Okay, God, I had to get that out of the way. <sighs> How you doing, man? Okay. Can you Sorry, hear me? Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so you died for a second. Yeah. Spooky! <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I went on, I did my update uh, for my channel, so okay. I didn't think it was weird that you weren't saying anything until I was like, how are you, man? And then I looked and there was nobody there. I was like, oh. <laughs> so that's definitely going in. Um, <laughs> okay. Dude, dude. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask, how are you doing? Well, thanks. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, you know, uh, kind of how you mentioned before. We've been chatting pretty consistently, so uh, that's really kept my spirits up, too. And, um, yeah, I've been, like, trying to watch some spooky movies uh, gearing up for Halloween, and those what are always movies, good. Uh, were you were you trying to watch? Well, I um, went back and I started watching uh, Scream again because uh, I had a friend who actually hadn't watched those movies. So I wanted to introduce them to him because I was like, these are the first, I believe, horror movies I actually watched, like the Scream and the Scream series. Wow. Yeah. I think I watched them when I was like, uh, probably around four. Oh, that's too young. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I watched them when I was young and uh, I've liked horror movies ever since. They are. Scream is interesting. I actually watched it for the first time last year. Mm. Um so I, they, I'm still kind of new. I never watched the other ones, but that that first one, it was funny because I had seen seen scary movie, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then everything made sense after like I watched this movie. I was like, oh wow, they really pulled a lot from this movie. Mm -hmm. I th like I thought it was a little more original than it ended up being. Um, no, scary movie was absolutely just complete parody. Right? Yeah, <laughs> scary movie they kind of like parodied just Scream with like other stuff sprinkled in. Whereas as they kept going, they did like start parodying a bunch of uh, pop culture movies and like horror movies in general. But the first one yeah. was definitely like very inspired by Scream. I I really liked the scary movies. Even the fourth one, which wasn't the greatest, was still like fun. Uh, yeah, I always consider them fun to watch because they're almost like a time capsule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people think it's bad for something to be kind of antiquated, but it's like, that's like of the time, though. Mm. Like, that's what people were uh, watching. I'll watch some things like that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember being in high school and watching this or something like that. <laughs> right. And then um, I've also been playing some uh, scary games. Uh, I haven't finished, uh, and this might, <laughs> this might set some people off, but I haven't finished Alien Isolation yet. I've been chipping away at it. and. Uh, at first, it was because uh, I was so, like, it would give me so much anxiety when the alien was around, so I kind of, like, played it very slowly, but luckily, I have a, a friend actually offered to be like, hey, I'll just watch you play it, at, like, and we'll, we'll get through it together, so I've been able to get pretty far on that. Haven't finished it yet, but I'm getting there. Okay, yeah, I've not heard of that. 
But I'm guessing it's alien like xenomorphs, like yeah. that kind of alien. Right. Got it. Yeah, it's like you're locked in a uh, spaceship or or uh, space station rather, where things go wrong. Oh no! <laughs> who could who could have predicted? Uh, that's good. That sounds like a fun game. I've actually never seen the Alien movies, believe it or not. Oh. Uh, neither have I. <laughs> well, I've seen. <gasps> oh, yeah, I've seen some. the true, truly the most horrifying aspect: two adult men in their late twenties who have never seen the Alien <sighs> movies. <sighs> the real here. I've seen <laughs> snippets. So, like, I've seen a lot of the newer ones, um, and I've seen parts of the older ones, but I don't think I've ever sat through, like, the first or second completely. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch both Alien and Aliens, because mm-hmm. uh, those are the ones I think everybody raves about and says they're, like, masterpieces. Right. Uh, and they're, like, kind of like Terminator 1 and 2, like, they're both really good for different reasons, mm-hmm. from what I can understand. Um. So yeah, I gotta I gotta get on that. I know it's been a long time coming. Uh, I did see, but hey, hey, you know, fans of Alien out there, like relax. I did see Aliens vs Predator. So like, <laughs> arguably so the I'm best good. one. Yeah, arguably <laughs> the best one, if not the best one. Right. So why watch anything you know, else? Right. Uh, and it's like, oh well, did you at least see the original Predator? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I have, you know, a long time ago though. I I did actually see that one, mm-hmm. but I never. It's it's been so long. Like everyone shares that uh, that gif of um, the two guys, Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, right. and uh, Carl Weathers, doing the doing the the, the handshake, the manly hand slap. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even remember that in the movie. Like that's how long ago mm-hmm. it was since I've seen Predator. So the um the only thing I can uh really remember is the scene where arnold just kind of kicks himself in mud to hide from the heat vision yeah i i remember that and i also remember early on when they were all just in the jungle and the one guy with the minigun was going fucking nuts and going ah he was just right. shooting off into nothing and they were like would you calm the fuck down uh, <laughs> that, that was uh that was the only other part i i clearly remember mm. So yeah, uh, horror movies are great. Um, what's your dear? What's your favorite horror movie? Oh no! You didn't warn me you were going to ask me such a difficult question. Yeah, no, I didn't, because that's the horror of being on our <laughs> oh, Halloween no. podcast. How spooky! No, but seriously, um, <laughs> let's see. That's tough because there's a lot of good, like, um, slow burn horror movies. I'm I'm a fan of those of the, like the slow burn ones because. While jump scares um, are effective when they're used correctly, um, a lot of them, like modern horror movies, seem to just kind of rely on those a lot. And so I like, um, like, The Grudge was cool, even though it does have a lot of jump scares. The Grudge is cool because it's very insidious. Like, I remember being scared about the idea of the movie after I had seen the movie. Yeah. And that's when I think it makes a good horror movie. Like, if I can stop speaking watching... Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, speaking of, Insidious, also a very good movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. Um, If I can turn off a movie and, like, not be scared of it anymore, then it's like, it's a fun ride. But I don't know if I would call that a horror movie. If I can be creeped out by the idea the horror movie presents, like, afterwards in my day-to-day, then I'm like, yeah, that was effective. Yeah, I one of the one of my favorite horror movies 
That's a good choice, by the way, because I've seen The Grudge. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of horror movies, but I have seen The Grudge, and just like you said, like that shit stuck with me. Mm-hmm. That like, uh, there's one scene. I think I've told you about it before, maybe. Um, where the girl is in the hallway on a security camera. She fucking like comes like she's like she comes through the camera like she can see him through the electronic device which you know doesn't make any sense it shouldn't make any sense and yet and yet the horror of it happening right like that (laughs) that was scary to me because i'm like you should be safe because it's like electronics like it's not like an actual eye you're you're not the camera this is transmitting an image or is it (laughs) right um it's like or or is that the real fear um the one that really gets me, uh, I, th- I think it's the third one. I might be wrong. But the one that really gets me is um, there's a scene where there's a woman uh, in her apartment and she sees the girl kind of like making her way closer and closer to the apartment. And so she kind of closes the door and she looks through the peephole and either she sees nothing there or she sees a silhouette. I don't remember which one, but it scares her enough to where she goes into her bedroom and she starts hiding in her bed. Um, and she hears things moving around and she like notices shadows and stuff. So she pulls the covers over her uh, head. And so she's made it this little like safety cocoon for her on her bed. And then yeah. suddenly she starts to feel fingers on her legs inside the covers. Yeah. And she looks down and the girl's there inside the covers with her. And I was like, no, that's where you're safe. You can't. That's sanctum. You can't just. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sanctuary. Yeah. You're, you're not playing by the rules. <laughs> Stop breaking my illusions. Exactly. Dude. Yeah, that's fucking scary. That's mm-hmm. terrifying. And then like my, my favorite horror movie is 1408 with John Cusack, oh. Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's not in it for too long. It's mostly a John Cusack centered film, like psychological thriller sort of deal. Like, um, have you seen the movie? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. For those who don't know, 1408 is about a writer who used to write fiction novels and was really good at it. But then, uh, his daughter died and he got divorced from his wife and like, he just kind of got jaded and shit. So he just started doing what made money, even though his original book like was like really good and people really liked it um he just starts doing like these top 10 horror uh, haunted houses on the west coast or like top 10 whatever so like now he's making a ton of money for this like garbage junk shit that he's writing um but because he's so jaded he just doesn't get scared really so like he goes to these haunted houses and you know staying at inns and hotels and stuff and he's just like very dryly like writing notes and then he'll give Basically, the the people of the haunted house or whatever will give him a kickback, and then he'll give them a good review in his book. Is sort of his little business system. Quit pro Yeah, yeah. But then he gets a postcard, some weird one for this uh, hotel in New York called the Dolphin, and on the back it says, "Don't stay in 1408." So he's like, "All right, I'll bite." Even though it was telling him not to go, he, he's <laughs> right. like, he's very much not a believer in any sort of supernatural anything. So he <clears throat> shows up. No, no, he calls them first, and, like, they just won't give him the room, and then he's, like, making a big stink about it, and they fucking hang up on him or whatever. So he, like, he goes to his lawyer, he's got, like, a legal team for, like, his publisher, and they're like, yeah, legally, they cannot stop you from staying in that room if there's nothing, un- like, mm-hmm. like legally unsafe about it, right? Mm-hmm. So he uh, he ends up going there, and he's greeted by the manager, Samuel Jackson, and, again, they're like, don't 
stay in the room. Don't stay in the room. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to. He's like, look, I've got a, I got a dossier here, like a whole brown manila folder that's like packed with stuff. He's like, photos, private information, everything you need to write about that room in your book. Everything you need is here. And I will let you have access to this. This is something I would not let anyone, some stranger who just shows up off the street, have access to. But I know what you're doing. I will let you go through this as long as you need to to write your book. If you just stay in like 1406, same layout as 1408, different room. And and he's like, no, I'm going to stay in the room. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah, in Samuel Jackson fashion, right? So this whole, this is all just the intro, the lead up. And then he gets into the room and there's like this creepy music and he's looking around and like, and then the music just stops and he goes, this is it. <laughs> and this whole, God, the setup, I'm not going to say anything else about, about the movie if people haven't seen it, mm -hmm. but that setup alone was so worth it because there's so much, like you said, Dieter, like they, they really like get you invested in the idea of this really creepy room. They, they say a bunch of stuff about it. They, they talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they're basically doing a lot of telling and not showing. And then the walk up there is just like a little hint of showing you're like the, you know, even the normal hotel has a sort of creepy vibe mm -hmm. to it. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, I won't say anything else. It's just very good. It's John Cusack on his own trying to deal with Ooh. what's evidently a very bad room to stay in. Um, there's my heart self for that movie. <laughs> oh, but I will say this. There are multiple endings. This was originally a, a Stephen King short story. Um, so his original ending uh, was not what they showed in theaters, mm. I think. Or maybe it was what they showed in theaters. But when, they, when you get on DVD, it's a completely different ending. Uh, basically, it's whether he dies or not. The better ending, if you have an option to get the better ending, the better one is the one where he lives at the end. Just saying that. That's the better ending. Right. There's two endings. Minor spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he either lives or dies. Right. Like, <laughs> That's true. So Those it are the, yeah. the only two possible <laughs> outcomes. Right. Like, it's not really going to change the journey, which is the best part. It's mm. like, the conclusion is like, who cares? But... If you want a really nice conclusion, the one where he lives, that's the better one, mm. in my opinion. Um, that's the one that really stuck with me. So, <sighs> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. The spooky TED Talk. My spooky <laughs> TED Talk! <laughs> exactly, yes. All right. Um, so, we did not just uh, come here to talk about, you know, movies and stuff. I mean... I wanted to, I, I, that's why I asked, but we were going to mention something that I think people will find interesting, something that is really on topic, both for the season and for this podcast. Oh, and what is that, Shane? You know, I think, I think you should tell us, because I think you're the one, actually, who brought this up when we were hanging out. You're the one that started, uh, started these as, like, a tradition, so yeah. go ahead. So, uh, we've been kind of delving into the horror that is r slash rpg horror stories the spookiest subreddit on reddit <laughs> i mean yeah not not the spookiest but definitely on brand for the season yeah and for this podcast and i was like you know what we're just you were just reading these to me mm -hmm. while i was working on episode three and stuff and i was like 
this is really fun, but I'm also getting super invested in these stories. Because, like, I would stop working, like, you know, I would just stop working and <laughs> yeah. start, like, going on a rant about what this person did wrong and all this mm. stuff. So, like, I'm like, this should just be on the podcast. I don't know why we're only doing this, like, just us two. Right. It was our, our own little, like, uh, unrecorded podcast sort of situation. Yeah, there were many times where I was like, Shane, do you want me to stop reading these? Because <laughs> it seemed like I was taking you away from uh, working on episode three sometimes. And you'd be like, no, Dieter, you got to keep. I need to know. Yeah, I need to know. Like, you can't just start. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so now I had Dieter here curate some stories and we're going to swap off uh, narrating them. Uh, Dieter, I would like you to have the first crack at it. If you want to do like a short one to start. Okay. Um. I believe I have a shorter one kind of set up here. So let me go okay. ahead and start. This All right. so- uh, everybody, everybody, get your uh, get your hot cocoa, get snuggled in, turn off the lights, turn the lights down real low, and get ready. All right. I want everyone to be like in the in the right frame of mind. If you need to pause this this podcast, do it. You know, put on your jammies or whatever. Or if it's, it's like a costume thing, you know, got going. Maybe you're at a little party and everyone for whatever reason is circled around the fireplace listening to our voices yeah. which is stupid but hey do it fine do it get get ready all right yeah this one is uh posted by you forward slash grf underscore McElroy. and i should probably mention really quick we will be naming the the original writers because they put them out there and it is public info you can see for yourself however we do not condone people bullying or harassing the original writers if you disagreed with them or something like that be nice okay yeah that would be too scary even for this yeah because yeah that's not fun don't do that right be nice okay let's see they write a while ago i was asked to dm for a group at my uni i had only done lmop and event and event then made mistakes most of them were new players, and I knew they were super into Rick and Morty. So I tried to make a homebrew to cater to them, along with a different story idea I had in mind about a world after a war between a Fey coalition and a Celestial coalition. It was awful. We had problem players that were telling others, No, don't do that. Trust me. Do this instead. What? No rogue would be nice to someone. Just don't roleplay. But they wait, aren't wait, my wait, confessions wait, 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 yet. Wait. Okay. Is he is he using quotation marks? Yes. Or are they using quotes? Quoti- so verbatim, that's what they were saying. Apparently, they had people that were telling them. Uh, they, they were telling other people that exact quotes. Okay, and let me also clarify. This is like Adventures League. Uh, they don't say. It just says that they were DMing a group at their university. Okay. All right. So they're probably, they just, they are still kind of strangers, but they're all interested. Maybe there was like flyers or something and they all kind of gathered to do this thing. Right. Maybe Because like it was a like, like they said before, it's a group of players that they were DMing for um, hmm. that apparently okay. liked Rick and Morty. So let's see if that plays <laughs> into the fact. I bet it will. <laughs> uh, but they aren't my confession here. Every session started off with a vision from the gods, which was a bad impression of a different Rick and Morty character. (laughs) 
combat was almost entirely low-level hordes or homebrew enemies I found from other pop culture, like Big Daddies or other stuff. Oh. That usually had an invincible plot-based ability that was broken. Social encounters went on of three went one of three ways, and their players had little input because I crafted two story paths and basically had them pick one or the other. Social encounters were really bland, especially for the characters that had really interesting character concepts that I largely ignored. I had one session where I made a character sheet for a mini-boss, wizard, and had a friend of ours come play him for the PvP-ish fun. But I regularly added health to him because they were killing him way too quickly, and I thought that wouldn't be fun for anyone. The climax was awful and everyone walked away feeling weird. The only thing I did well was make a survey halfway through asking what players wanted to see, and when they said, something not combat, I made what everyone described as a fun puzzle dungeon, something for everyone, that included a dragon that was cursed to only speak in rhyme, which ended up in a cooperative rap battle somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Even though... They ended up fighting over loot, and problem players were even, uh, problem players were problem, problem players, excuse me. Since then, I've kept in touch with a few of them, and they've gone on to bigger and better games, and I've become a much better player and DM. I still apologize whenever it comes up, but I'm glad that cringy slugfest didn't turn anyone away from a good game. Aww, Interesting. That's... So they they were the monster all along. <laughs> they were the monster that they wrought to slay. Yeah. So this is I I like game or I like uh stories like this because it's like hey this was a bad time but uh I learned from it and I moved on. Yeah. I mean I don't even think it was necessarily because he was talking about how like it's a horror themed thing and there's monsters with plot based weaknesses that make them like if you don't deal with that they're basically invincible or so hard to kill that like you minus they might as well be right well i believe being broken yeah i believe uh what they're uh, trying to explain here is that they were basically railroading players because they said that uh the monsters had things about them that seemingly didn't make them fun to fight against since the players came back and said hey we don't want that much combat um, right, yeah. yeah. And the social encounters basically uh, boiled down to like a speech wheel or something because it said you only really have two options here. Yes or no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, it definitely, it definitely sounds like the sort of mistakes that like a rookie DM would kind of fall into, mm-hmm. which is just planning so much for something that you're not allowing the players to deviate from the plan. Um, I do think that it's not, here's what I think he did right. Adding health to a boss that needs to not die so fast. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing. I've done that before. I usually just do a number. I don't like continually do it throughout the fight. I'll be like, okay, they did a really big hit in the beginning. So I'm going to just tack on another 50 hit points Mm -hmm. and change nothing else. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. that's not really a big deal to me. Uh, if it's like a final boss, if it's like not a final boss, I usually just let them have their win. If they are able to knock out someone really quick, they can, that's okay. I'll let them feel that. Um, so I don't think he did that wrong. 
And even having like a plot-based weakness isn't bad either because I have played in games where the the monster or whatever has like a plot-based sort of weakness that you need to sort of uncover first before you can take it on. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing like a horror dungeon, that makes sense. Imagine like I just got like a really cool idea for like uh you know like a one or two shot where mm-hmm. everyone starts off not at the entrance of a dungeon but you all wake up in the pits of one and you have to escape right, right. and you're all like level three and everything else is fucking bigger than you are you know mm-hmm. so like in something like that having maybe there are monsters that are hard but maybe there is like one monster that's obviously way too powerful and like it, it doesn't need to have plot armor but even if it like did like maybe you can't escape you find out that you need to slay it before you leave like that's the only way to leave so like it's chasing you through the house or whatever um well then it becomes like a mystery you can make the dungeon be like a sort of mystery dungeon where you're trying to figure out the the puzzle and then once you figure that out you do the thing uh have a last climactic battle with the monster and leave like that could work right in Mm -hmm. that scenario a broken ability with a plot weakness is perfect Right, um, or maybe the dungeon it sounds... itself can be used against the monster, and that's how you get it to like be vulnerable to be hit or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it all depends on like what your vision is for that. Some sort of one shot like that, uh, or even if it isn't a one shot, could be like a part of a uh, a broader campaign. But right. sounds like what this guy was doing was making every monster have plot armor, right? Which is bad. It just it it, it just will. Uh, create combat fatigue which i believe is what happened here since the players were saying like hey let's not do that um yeah something interesting too that i think uh makes for more like plot-based combat is um don't be afraid to uh i guess kill off one of your bosses or mini bosses if it feels right and by that i mean for example, I remember I was running a session with uh, some friends. This was a one shot, and um, they were up against a monster that I had homebrewed. Um, and throughout the entire combat, one of my players was rolling very badly. So they kept missing, or they kept like getting critical fails. And so, uh, luckily, uh, this uh, this player was taking it with a pretty like uh on the chin he was rolling with the punches he kind of didn't let him bother him too much but it was very obvious that it was kind of starting to like wear on him and um while everybody else was doing a a really good job of uh taking down the monster towards the end um i realized that the monster had about like 10 ish hit points so it was it was on the verge of being defeated um when this player that had been rolling bad all night managed to score his crit, his one crit of the night. However, he didn't do enough damage to kill the creature. He did like eight or nine damage because he was pretty low level at this point with the crit. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, am I really going to like fiddle with those two health points and say like, nah, you didn't kill it. Nice crit though. Anyway, moving on. Or do I yeah. want to be like, hey, you defeated the monster yeah i that i agree that's that's a very good just like like if you want a a climactic battle to not end so like underwhelmingly quickly Mm -hmm. um 
and adding like tacking on like 50 hit points to your big bad evil guy mm-hmm. so he doesn't die first round right mm-hmm. okay that that makes sense also taking their hit points down to zero give and take right mm-hmm. in this in this sense he got a crit uh and he just was shy to hit points it's like it's such a little thing yeah let him have the kill let him crit and say how do you kill him yeah you know because that that's going to make your players feel really good and it also means that what you're trying to do is you're the invisible hand of fate here like you are you are just tweaking things in just such a way to make the story a little bit better yeah um i think there's nothing nothing wrong with that uh, as long as you're not if you're the dm i, I think there's a, a an argument to be made like mm-hmm. can the dm cheat right you know and it's like well yeah i guess the dm can cheat but if you it's it's better to try to be by the book or by the rules for mm-hmm. everything that matters when it comes to like actually playing the game. But if it's like the stats of a character, mm-hmm. I mean, you made that character, right? So like if let's say you uh the character had like a 16 wisdom and then some player made this uh character make a wisdom saving throw. Um and you know that if they fail the save that a lot of plot information is going to get revealed and kind of spoil the story a little bit and they fail their save by like one point hey look they got actually 18 wisdom so they made their save like that you made that character you decided in that moment they needed to have a little higher wisdom than they than you had written down on the sheet so that they wouldn't give up some really important information too quickly right Mm -hmm. that's a call that i think is extremely fair to make as a dm like you can do stuff like that but i don't think that you should um, I don't think you should punish your players for trying things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it just depends on like what it is. Like, allow the player to make efforts, and like if the if you roll a nat one, looks like you're gonna have to spill some beans. You know, like let you know the player did it. You fucking failed. You didn't give them legendary resistance or something like mm-hmm, that. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and that's another thing you can always do too. Like you can always rule it that like a character has one use of like a legendary resistance a day if they're like an important character right you know like you can just do that that way you can guard your secrets for a little longer before you yeah, reveal them but also no uh you gotta like try to realize that the games you guys the, you guys are playing all together um those are like organic it, unless of course you're doing a module but even so like you have the ability to change things and if you're doing something where you're like, I feel like I shouldn't reveal this right now. Um, but when you do that, you notice that you're, the energy at the table kind of goes down or maybe your players, all of them were like kind of disappointed at something that they couldn't find out. Try to give them like a little something or try to know what like you can change for the next session. Because while withholding information will make for a great twist, because I know I've had that idea where i'm just like oh i really want my players to like come come across this twist and i'll be surprised like that's in your mind that's not in the player's mind they don't know what you're planning so a lot of the times it might just feel like you're against them or it feel or it might feel like you're just trying to like not give them something that they feel they've earned so it can be hard but i think it's something for you to keep in mind um to just know when your players need a little pick me up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very much a fan of when when players level up enough to throw 
old enemies at them and then watch as they just slice through them like a warm nut through butter and then have them feel good like wow we actually did grow like you know when you're always scaling challenges for example it can feel like you haven't gotten more powerful so when you give them a reminder like that like uh you guys are now level seven and you're fighting some goblins and they're just fucking smacking these goblins down they really feel like wow we actually really did get stronger Mm -hmm. like that's crazy you know uh i I mean it should go without saying but a lot of times people get so obsessed with balance that they try to always make everything challenging all the time and Mm -hmm. it's like let players just steamroll shit sometimes so that they can remember what it feels like to be powerful and then bring in a, a person that's like obviously or not so obviously going to like shake up their world and be really challenging to mm-hmm. them right um i mean i mean really there's a lot of ways you can go about it uh you got to give your players a chance to try and take control of a situation but at the same time uh you you know if it's a better story for them to not know something maybe like you can write in ways for them not to know this is this is also why i like i know we haven't gotten to the next story yet. yeah <laughs> But I, w- I want to mention that this is also why I like homebrew shit, because like everyone kind of knows what's in the monster manual by this mm-hmm. point, right? Like mm-hmm. if I go, oh, uh, it's a troll, you know, fires its weakness, right? Like pfft, it's not like a surprise, right? But let's say I take the troll statistics and I completely reskin it, give it a completely different like it's not a monstrosity anymore now it's like uh an undead creature has undead statistics Mm. and it's got like it doesn't look like a troll it looks like some uh other entirely different creature right right um well now yeah it's the same statistics as a troll so i can still balance that cr the way i would before but now it's like nobody in the party is gonna know what the fuck this is or how to deal with it right Mm -hmm. so now it's like they're uh they're trying to kill this thing and it's healing and regenerating and like maybe instead of fire damage um it's a completely different like thunder damage or something like it's a different energy type but that's its weakness right right so like they might think oh this could be like a troll and it might have a weakness but if they try fire mm, no that wasn't it <laughs> so now it's like the, it's like a puzzle the the combat has now become a puzzle where they're trying to figure out this homebrew creature i've reskinned for them mm-hmm. you know like that that's a really nice way to kind of mix it up and make things feel challenging without necessarily being life-threatening uh, and, like, kind of making players feel, like, smart, you know, for, right. like, figuring it out. And then kind of moving on. If you're always using the same shit, you get you run into the risk of having rules lawyers and people, um, like, who've played just a lot kind of knowing exactly how things work. I've run into that problem recently in a game where, right. like, I was playing against a bunch of undead creatures and like some creatures showed up that i know a lot about already and i was like man i hate that i can't like i have to pretend like this character doesn't mm-hmm. know anything about this stuff and has to run into the same mistakes that uh i used to run into when i was like a less experienced player but right. now that i'm more experienced i have to pretend to do it now and i'm like I, you know i can do that it's a little less satisfying. It's kind of nice to be as a player surprise where I'm Shane is also just trying to figure out how to how to tackle an issue, you know, because mm-hmm. um, then again, it feels like you're just going through the motions a little bit. Right. Because even then you might even still be metagaming cause in the sense of like my character doesn't know that they have a spell that's this guy's weakness. I do, but it's, I'm going to play as my character. I'm going to purposefully choose a spell that isn't its weakness 
before I choose the other weak spell or the other spell that is the weakness. So right. you can't like it's just hard to get around that. So I think like homebrew is a good uh, alternative to that. And um, yeah, even if you like use the monster manual, I think you might be able to like change one or two things around, and that might even inspire a cool story out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it also uh, is why a lot of people kind of want to get like stuff like Grim Hollow or Hecna or whatever, like. Not sponsored by any of these, <laughs> right. just FYI. But I like, was going to say, have... like Shane, are you going to go off on something? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Okay. Maybe one day. I, I love I love those companies. So maybe uh -huh. one day, if you got if uh, Decameni or uh, the Grim Hollow guys, if you're listening, <laughs> hey, I've got a podcast. Sponsor me. Hey. Um, <laughs> in any case, we shouldn't dwell too much on this. We should get to the next. Yeah, let's get story. to the next one, Shane. If you would do the honors this time, I'm all ears. It's an, this is another short one. And, and uh, this is by uh, user Mario underscore Ikea. Uh, and by the way, I think all of these are kind of fresh from like today or around this time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so these are still kind of like open and people are still discussing them. This is a big one. Got a lot of upvotes. So maybe this story is not a huge horror story, but it is still disheartening. For years, I have been GMing and DMing different systems. I definitely do enjoy the creativity behind it, but as so many others always wanted to play a big campaign, as so many others, I've always wanted to play a big campaign myself, formatting. I've played one-shots before and a couple of campaigns that were never finished after a couple sessions, so I was ecstatic when one of my players told us during our current campaign that he would like to run the 5e Curse of Strahd Adventure for us, hell yeah! Ooh. This was already a few weeks ago because we had to finish up the current campaign first. During that time, I began, began creating the character and backstory and already had a blast just thinking about playing for once. Poor forever DMs out there. Mm -mm. Mm. Then the day came. I feel your pain. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really. <laughs> I'm always the player. I, I, I'm trying to get into DMing more, but it's just Ooh. a lot of effort. Right. Well, let's continue. Yes. Then the day came for session zero, and we had to roll our abilities. Everyone rolled great, with frequent rolls of 15 plus, 46 dropped the lowest, kind of standard. The Barbarian even ended up with 20 in strength and 18 in constitution after racial bonuses. That's actually pretty insane wow. to start. Then it was my turn, and my rolls were uh, 6, 8, 10, 10, 11, 12. That's a re-roll. That, that's a re-roll. <laughs> that's, an, that's an ouch. That's a, yeah, if you... Uh, he says, my god, I never rolled so bad uh, before. This is also why I never liked rolling for stats, by the way. Sure, it gives a lot of our variety to characters, but it can also create a big gap between players. Um, okay, now I'm going to I'm going to stop here, because I already know where this is going. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. Uh, I have always done it with, the, with a rolling system like this, mm -hmm. that if you roll your stats and you don't mm -hmm. get any score 15 above... None mm -hmm. of your scores are 15 or higher, or you do not at least get that and a cumulative like bonus of plus three when you add up all the ability score modifiers from all those scores. Uh -huh. Meaning, like, let's say you get 115 and then just eight, 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 right? Okay. Oh, right. That would be a reroll. If you get, um, so you'd reroll the whole thing, right? Uh, if you right. get something like what he described, a 6, an 8, a 10, a 10, an 11, and a 12, 
um, you didn't get one fifteen, so you'd reroll everything. Okay. Always. Right. That way, it's not like a just like well because you know what you do. Character. Yeah, because you know what you do when you get rolls like that. You'd say, "All right, well, my character decides to become a farmer, and I'll play a new character." (laughs) That's it. Because why would you keep that set? You know what I mean. So uh-huh. you just be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not playing this, this set. Like I'm just <laughs> the way not gonna I do usually, it. the way I usually handle something like that is, um, I I do like the concept of rolling for characters, but I do realize that that can have uh both extremes, like something very very good or something very very bad. So the way I do it is I tell my players, you're gonna roll for your stats, you know, uh, roll uh for uh, the d sixes drop below us all that, but you're going to roll three sets of this. So you're going to roll for your stats three times, three individual times. And each time is going to be its own bracket. After you have rolled all three times, you get to choose which bracket you use, but you still have to use the rolls you got in the order that you rolled them. Not like the first one is strength or anything like that, but let's say you got like 15, eight, uh, six, 15, 18, like a really good roll, and then like a nine or something like that. Like you got that for your first bracket. You can't choose like a higher roll out of a separate bracket. Right. You still yeah, have to yeah. take those bad ones, but you have three to choose from. That's nice. It's just, it is a lot of rolling. I think that works. Like, there, honestly, it's always up to the DM. And I like the way that you described that, Dieter. Like, that makes sense. Like, that's just a really. Because the chances of you getting three brackets that are like the one that this guy described with the 6, mm-hmm. 8, 10, 10, 11, 12, like, that's really unlikely. You know what I mean? Right. Um, another thing you could do, let me, let me finish. This is such a short one. So let's just read through it. And <laughs> yeah, then, let's, con- let's continue. And then we can talk about, like, ways to deal with it. I, I, I kind of, I intercut. Uh, I got too excited about it, so I apologize. He says, now, I usually don't mind playing quote-unquote bad characters i had a blast playing my minus three charisma druid or my minus two wisdom paladin but these were just one shots now i had to watch for a whole campaign how my fellow players were able to do all these awesome things while i as a wizard had a cower behind the rest with my 10 index and my 12 and con i was definitely discouraged at first but i knew i could still have a great deal of fun outside of combat so i was going to be all right they were going to just accept it but then my dm started laughing Having seen my roles, he found it really funny how I killed his character in the last campaign with an unfortunate crit, and now it'd be very easy to do the same to me. What the hell? I was wow. so excited to play this character, and I had worked quite a bit on it, and it was going to be, and I was going to be targeted by the DM for no reason. I responded, "I might as well play a different character, wait for the DM to kill him, and then roll again." And the other player saw that. I was getting upset and suggested that I could just roll again because the difference in strength was apparent. The DM was having none of it. He said that these things are exactly why he wanted to roll for stats in the first place. I just had to deal with it. Okay. He, of course, didn't mention his outright murder threat to my character. We'll begin with the first session next week. Let's see how long my character will survive, dot, dot, dot. Oof. So, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to actually go into the comments here because I want to see what people are telling them. But um, another thing to deal with a low statistical roll like that is... Uh, like I said, I, I put in a minimum of like at least 115 and at least a cumulative like plus three in everything combined. So if you don't have one of those two things, then you, you can reroll if you want. You can also keep if you'd like to. Um, 
Like, let's say you get like 18, 18, and then 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8 right? Right. You're like, well, I want those fucking 18s. Like, all right. Keep <laughs> yeah. it. Go for it. You know, like, sure. You're you're min maxed with more mins than max, but go for right. it. Right. Like, if that's, if, if it's, it's up to you. Um, another way a player of mine does, or not a player, but a, a DM of mine does it is like, you roll seven and you drop mm. the the lowest of the seven as well so you're rolling 46 drop the lowest to determine the initial number and then you're doing that oh, seven I times see. instead of six and then dropping the lowest there mm-hmm. um that's another way to kind of help boost the numbers a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and then in addition to that uh you could also just have it so that if uh someone rolls like they they have the option to choose between they can do a roll to roll a set and if they don't like that they can do like a point buyer standard array as the minimum bare minimum they can just take the standard array so like this player ought to have options and not just roll six that's what you get because that's fucked up and and it's not right, fun ironclad like uh stiffness of it yeah it's just like nope you don't get anything else that's your character and i'm going to enjoy watching you play that character yeah yeah that per- that dm is kind of being a jerk uh let's see if people agree uh hemlock's bane says doesn't that rule usually come with if you get no rolls over 14 reroll it's exactly what i said get that sort of <laughs> clause that. prevent that also any it'll be so easy to kill that character revenge mentality is a sign of a bad gm or a rookie gm and very bad for a curse of strahd which requires a good gm to work and be entertaining yes i agree 100 that got 598 points so i think people agree um yeah and someone also said no number over 14 or total modifier of plus one or less i believe so that actually the one i did was even higher um mm. uh, but yeah this person said uh you need at least uh if you have no yeah no no numbers over 14 so basically 15 or higher and you need at least a total modifier of plus one um, right for it to be like a quote-unquote viable character yeah, I guess I guess it meant plus two. So yeah, I was off by one, but yeah, that's actually very common apparently. Um, okay. And I guess yeah, I did. I did not even know that rule. That's that's cool to have in my back pocket. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, someone also said that that's the way it is in three point five and Pathfinder. Boom. So that's why. Oh, that's I why see. I knew okay. that. Okay. Makes sense. But yeah. So yeah, like it's just it it feels like it's very like if that's how the game is starting. I feel like it might be beneficial to just kind of be like, hey, I got other stuff to do. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, you know, like aside from going to the GM and trying to talk to them apart from all the other players, because it might have just been that the DM was in a mentality of like, hey, I'm not going to back down in front of the other players. Uh, sort of like almost like a fake challenge kind of thing. So if you could go to the GM and be like, hey man, look, I, I think we really need to talk about this. Maybe you can give me like a couple of magic items or something like that that can boost me. If you really don't want to change my character, we can maybe find a way around this. Um, and if it's a no, um, then it's kind of like, all right, well, I got to go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can focus on other stuff now. Yeah, I, I agree with that in spirit. I, I wouldn't, honestly, as a player, I would just absolutely refuse to play a character that can't function so like the whole um this character retires and becomes a farmer they're not suited for adventuring they don't have the stats for it they're not a hero mm-hmm. so they're not going to do it um 
that makes absolute sense to me. And I don't see why, I don't see how you could stop uh, a player from then re-rolling a new character that at least follows some of these like minimums, right? Um, yeah, especially since you haven't even started the campaign yet. Right, but if the DM's like, no, you have to use it, you have to use it, uh, I wouldn't even ask for a magic item or anything, personally. I would just quit. I'd say, well, I'm just not going to mm. play then. You've lost a player, bye. Like, and threaten to leave because you're more... The thing is, like, what this person doesn't understand is they are more valuable as a player to this group than... Mm then uh the those stats are to the dm like it's you gotta say like look it's either you keep the stats this way and lose me or you keep me and let me re-roll like that's what's gonna be like you need to kind of mm. play hardball i think because like that's not fair to the player you know and if they're right. if they know if they already know ahead of time they're not gonna have fun don't play don't sit around and just take it like you don't have to take it you can negotiate this shit the dm is running the story but they're not god okay mm. <laughs> people like to say that they're the god of the world but like if you know you're not gonna have fun you're the fucking god of your fucking world dude like don't <laughs> don't stick around if you're not gonna have fun right plus it's like uh, they stated before that it's like a whole campaign so it's like you you, you got to be respectful of your own time. If no one else is going to be respectful of your time, at least you got to be. Exactly. Anyway, um that's it for that story. Let's let's swap it back over to you. Ooh. All right, let's see. This one is posted by user E Cyanic. My friend told me this story. It was a while ago though, so we don't remember all the details, and she told me it was fine to share. After playing a one-shot her first experience of actually playing D&D 5e, she decided to look for a campaign on Roll20. She found and successfully applied to one, and she, she played the same character that she played in the previous one-shot. Favor, a half-elf bard. The group she joined knew each other already, so she was the new one. Even before the session started, the DM was already changing a lot from her backstory. Understandable. The DM can definitely make changes to fit better with the world, but here he was pretty much completely changing her backstory, turning her adoptive dad to her biological dad, changing a crucial event that made her who she was, but keeping the consequences of that event, etc. The group, including the DM, were rude to her, both the player and the PC. She was new, so she had a lot of questions about rules. But instead of giving straight answers, they just treated her like she was dumb. On to the actual game itself. The party had to go to an island. Can't remember why, but when they got there, there was a group of sea turtles on the beach, which one of the PCs, a fighter with a shield, wanted to kill and eat. Favor argued to not do that, but the fighter insisted, and it went to PvP, with the fighter attacking first and the DM not stopping it. During the fight, she cast Shatter, which the fighter failed to save against, but used his reaction to fully negate the damage, which is definitely not a thing. And the DM allowed it. Though, to be fair, it could have, been, it could have just been a bad misreading of Shieldmaster. They reduced her to zero hit points, deposited her back on the boat, and killed the turtles. She left the group after that. 
The fortunate part is that this didn't drive her away from D&D, and she was invited to join a campaign pretty soon after. Total coincidence, she hadn't told the DM that invited her about this story until a few months later, and she's been playing in the campaign for a year or so now, also on Roll20, and she seems to be having much more fun. So yeah. Oh, how many how many things were wrong with that one, huh? Like <laughs> that that was Oh boy. Yeah, yeah like uh bad people. Bad people. Like don't play <laughs> look plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. I mean we've talked about this privately, but like everyone listening, look. D D is is a wonderful game. It really is. But you what makes it wonderful isn't necessarily the rules the rules facilitate the fun the fun comes from the people mm -hmm. if you are playing with shitty people you're going to have a shitty time it doesn't matter how much you love D D. it doesn't matter how great you've heard the game how much critical role or dimension 20 both great things <laughs> that you've seen it doesn't matter because those groups have a dynamic a chemistry they kind of know each other right and even if they don't, they might be kind of professionals in, in their field and stuff. They know not to, like, step on each other's toes and to, like, do... They know, like, they're having fun because they've, they've done this a lot, right? They're experienced. If you're, like, new to the game and you go into this group of people who you don't really know very well, you're going to run the risk that these people are actually fucking suck and they're going to make the game not fun. Now, I've said it before. And I'll say it again. This is like a mantra at this point. No D&D is better than bad D&D. And what makes D&D bad is bad people. If they don't respect you, they don't respect your time, right? Uh, they're cheating or they're otherwise just basically making it not fun for you. You don't have to be there. There are better groups out there, especially during COVID now that like, COVID's kind of keeping people indoors and they can't like do mm. in-person D&D. There's so many different groups you can join. And like, yeah, mm. you're probably going to run the risk of having a lot of horror stories, joining groups that suck. Um, mm. But when you find a good group of people, boom, you're good. And yeah, there might be, there's always going to be issues. There might be like a problem player, um, but you've got to be aware and able to cut ties with a group. And you know, it, it might be frustrating for a while if you have bad luck and you end up finding a lot of bad groups, but mm. you got to make sure that like you have options to to like, let's say like there's usually two kinds of problems here. Um, I guess like two and a half kinds. Like one is that there's problems with a player or players who are making it not fun for you, in which case mm -hmm. you have to go to the DM, right? And the DM will generally make a call on it if they're a good dm anyway right uh the other problem is you have a bad dm and the dm's making life difficult for you right mm. like that uh the one story that i read right like that's a bad dm the players are fine right. they're sympathetic they're trying to help that person out but like the dm's being kind of a dick um and then the 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 third or half right is when you have both bad group totally right <laughs> um that's going to make it bad where do we start with this one, right? PvP? Yeah. So much in here that's like, hey, maybe this should have been brought up before any of this happened. Because, uh, you know, like, especially if it's a group with people that might not know everybody or each other well, 
Um, because I think uh, it was stated here that they knew each other, but they didn't know her and she didn't know them. So even if it's like one new player, I think it uh, bears uh, or it has some bearing to say that it's important to have some sort of session zero to be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is what's allowed. This is what's not allowed. Um, and this is the kind of thing you can expect in this game. Yeah. I know that some people, uh, I think like what can be said is some people might think that having a session zero will take some of the mystery or the fantasy away from the game. Because I think I had, uh, not that mentality, but I had that thought before too, to be like, if I tell my players that they're going to be playing in like a setting where they're in the mountains and they each have like a magical item that lets them fly between like uh, cities in the mountain, that's going to get rid of all the like oohs and ahs when I first describe it. But like, no, like that's the setting. We're going to be playing there for who knows how long. So apart from actually getting the players excited, knowing the setting, um, they're going to start like coming up with ideas in their own minds and they're going to know what to expect. So maybe a player doesn't want to play that if they don't like, they're not going to run through the awkward phase of being like, Hey, I didn't know that's what this was about. And like, now I'm just here. Right. Uh, yeah. You're setting expectations essentially, right? A PVP is one of those things you need to hash out. If you're playing with, it's hard for this person. They were new. They didn't know any better. Right. And so like mm -hmm. they just went in, but I mean, these are trash people. Like, the DM should have been oh, nice. He should have been like, hey, guys, we got a new player here. I want you all to be uh, patient with her while she's learning the rules. She's probably going to have a lot of questions, so let's answer mm -hmm. them and be cooperative, okay? Um, if you're, you know, and if your players are just being fucking rude, I would stop and say, hey, 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 time out. What the fuck did I say in the beginning? I said, be nice. This person's new. Stop being mm -hmm. rude. They don't know the rules yet, okay? Um right so if you're having people who for whatever reason are just doing this really weird like rude behavior that you've never experienced before could never see this coming right oh my god i can't believe my friend would be that rude right um <laughs> like yeah if that's happening then you got to talk to your friend as the dm that would be what a good dm does instead a bad dm is with the other people and also treating the new person as rude and or uh, being rude to the new person treating them like mm. an idiot right like that's that's what a bad DM would do is just side with the players and not make any hard calls where they have to like confront their friends and say, Hey, you're not behaving very well, you know, mm -hmm. and they lost mm -hmm. her. And now she's with a better group. We're probably better for having her now. Yeah. You know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta just be willing to work with your players, man. How, how hard is that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, apparently some people haven't been able to learn that. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that there are people out there that are willing to like work with others because it's always a great um, idea to, you know, grow the fan base because things like this are only going to make it shrink. Um, so just have the patience you need for anybody that might not know what's going on with like the game or try to make it like a welcoming environment more than anything. You want people to like this game, don't you? Like you want people to play with. Don't don't be your own worst enemy when you're trying to like shun people from the game. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the mentality we have, right? Because we like growing the hobby and getting more people into it mm -hmm. and spreading like, dude, D is so great and telling people who have just heard of it, like, oh yeah, I want to play it. Like you should. Um, mm -hmm. 
But then you've got gatekeepers. That's what a lot of uh, older players are like. Uh, and not older in age necessarily, but just people who've been playing longer or played older systems before it blew up on the internet and got like way more popular. And it's still blowing mm. up. It's like in the process of continually blowing up. Um, a lot of them are upset because they felt special and like this was my hobby and when i played it it wasn't cool and i had to suffer uh and be bullied and it's like dude that's bad yeah no like everyone here is sympathizing with you but also that doesn't give you a wholesale license to just be a fucking dick to everybody like mm. like for example you know there's a lot of people who got really butthurt over the idea of the combat wheelchair um uh, as i'm sure you're aware uh -huh. you made a video on it right, <laughs> right. um and it's like those people who just thought it didn't make sense are entitled to their opinion and a lot of them were probably mm -hmm. like i just don't see how that makes sense in my setting okay sure in your setting maybe not if you're the dm mm -hmm. you can you can make that call uh however there are some really compelling arguments for why it does make sense and right if it's not actually like hurting anybody it doesn't like if have any like uh you know in-game mechanical things that are like really going to either throw your party out of balance or or really hamper them it's not if it's not hampering or helping them into such a degree that it, it fucks up the balance of the party then i don't really mm -hmm. see what the problem is with that right just let it be inclusive right but a lot of people who did not like that idea it's not that mm -hmm. they didn't even like the idea of it it's that they were hiding a lot of ableist bullshit under the surface, and then that was their opportunity to let that bubble up. Like, we keep opening up the, the hobby to all these people and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's where it's really coming from. It's like, this mm. isn't my hobby anymore. Now, any uh, anybody can, can mm -hmm. get into my hobby, and they just need to leave my hobby alone. Like, fuck off with that mentality, man. <laughs> fuck off. All the way off with that, because that's not... Mm. Like, nobody... I, I don't know anyone who... Uh, is here for that mentality and anyone I do know who is I'm not mm -hmm. friends with <laughs> <laughs> right yeah just you know just uh, greet people with open arms I guess and then like go from there yeah I'm probably preaching to the choir if my audience is hearing this most of the people listening are probably like no yeah I agree yeah no no okay yeah all right I agree <laughs> Shane I get it Shane. okay <laughs> yeah right Shane stop yelling at me <laughs> Um, anyway, let's, uh, I think we got one more horror story and this one's a little bit yeah. longer, not that much longer. Okay. Um, here we go. <clears throat> I ran a weekly homebrew campaign for two years, about three sessions from the finale. My best, mm -hmm. most engaged, most interactive, most note-taking player quit. Man, that oh, hurt. After 80 plus sessions, that's a lot, so close wow. to the finale, and a player tells me that the game has been so unfun that she doesn't care to see how it ends. Ooh. Not only that, but she is by far the most engaged player. If she isn't having fun, then nobody is. Ouch. Wow. That's how it felt from my perspective at the time. But there was more going on. I convinced her to stay and finish the finale. And she really did. Then she really did quit the group. Wait, hold on. I convinced her to stay and finish the finale, then she really did quit the group. In re retrospect, I should not have pressured her to stay, and I don't blame her for quitting. Her stated reason for quitting. She believed that her higher energy and engagement was ruining the fun for the other players, who tended to be oh, more no. passive. 
Hmm. Hmm. Looks at Dieter. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Dieter was telling me, if you don't mind me saying Dieter, maybe you should say it actually, uh, if you're, if it's like a personal thing. Right. Well, okay. I, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, I had a couple of sessions where I was worried that I was dragging down the game because um, I started having a, a lot of fun kind of role-playing um, my character with NPCs and uh, trying to make some of the, or trying to get the other uh, players to kind of play along with me. And um, there were moments where I realized I was like, I think I've been talking to this NPC for like 10, 15 minutes and we haven't done much other than just like talk. So I feel like I should try to get the DM uh, to kind of cut to another player. So there are many times where, yes, I feel the same that this person is explaining to be like, maybe um, I'm not a good fit with some of these players because I might just be making it more stale for them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I felt that way too, too, a little bit. I think we talked about this, like the different kinds of players you might find at your table. And so this mm -hmm. person uh, that... Uh, this DM is describing seems to be very much like the the role play engaged type person, very high energy mm -hmm. and engagement. And they said, indeed, my other players represented a spectrum of engagement from occasionally engaged, which what I might call 75% effort down to sometimes shows up, but never says anything and has no idea what's going on to the point where his every <laughs> turn in combat, he asked for a recap of the entire situation because he wasn't following anyone else's oh. turns. 0% effort, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but I think the real reason for her wanting to quit, whether she was self-aware of it or not, is that it's not fun to be the only player putting in 100% effort at a table where others get away with giving 0%. As a DM giving 100%, that sucks for me too. But having at least one player totally invested and engaged made this game tolerable. Not ideal, but tolerable for me. Because at least I looked forward each week to interacting with my one 100% player. <laughs> the solution seems obvious. Players giving low effort should be kicked out instead of the players giving high effort quitting, right? <laughs> if my high effort players quit and expectations are set to the lowest common denominator, then I don't want to DM that group anyway. But tell that to the 100% effort player trying to quit. And she hears, uh, oh, if you tell that to her, she hears, your dissatisfaction and extra effort is the reason other players will be kicked from this game. <laughs> Rather than cause <laughs> others to get kicked, she wanted to step down. But if her stepping down causes the DM to stop the game entirely, then she feels an obligation to stay, despite not having fun. I catch 22. Yeah, that's really, oh, that is wow. tough. Uh, so she stayed to the finale of that campaign arc and then quit. And now I'm quitting that group too. Common advice I see online advises us to kick the problem players who drag down the entire rest of your group. And it is definitely true that one zero effort player can spoil an entire table if the DM or other players want a high effort, high engagement game. In my limited experience, groups tend to toward the lowest common denominator because putting yourself out there, putting on a high effort performance is an emotional risk. If you take that risk and get no response, it hurts and discourages you from doing that again. Ooh, too true. Oh my god. Wow, this person's spitting facts right now. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're out there taking that risk, giving awesome narration of your turn in battle, and then the next person in issue says, oh, my turn? So, uh, what are we fighting again? You can feel the energy sucked out of the room. Every time that happens, every other player gives it less and less, even if they would otherwise give 100%. But sometimes, instead of kicking the low effort players, 
or demanding they give more than it seems they can, it's better to just bow out yourself. Find an entirely new group. This feels like relationship advice, but you are responsible for seeking out people who give you as much as you give them. And sometimes, rather than molding a currently existing group into the group you want it to be, even if you think it's possible, it's better to just find other people. I hear through the grapevine that my high effort player found a great group, and she's happy now. I will find one too. Aw. Damn. Well, I'm glad it worked out for uh, one of the players, and hopefully it works out for the DM as well. Um, but yeah, that's like... Um, I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting such truth right now. Um, yeah, uh, it's so, it's so difficult to kind of gauge when a player needs encouragement or when they truly do not want to be there because kind of like the, the OP was uh, saying that they have a player there that seems to be giving pretty low effort, uh, to where a lot of the times I have the mentality of like, oh, well, maybe they just need some encouragement to be like, hey, man uh what does your character want to do or like from other players themselves but if they're not reciprocating that then it might just be that they just don't want to do it and i don't know this is a hard thing for me because i don't know if that would mean that they deserve to be kicked out because they're low effort mm -hmm. maybe they're just not uh mi mixing well with that with the way the game is being ran um because some pl some players find you know fun in different aspects of D and D, maybe they don't particularly like to mm, role play or have the like theater of the mind mentality. Maybe they just really like moving their little pawns on like the squares and stuff. And, and no no shame in that. It's just kind of hard to know where where the line is drawn of like oh this player just really doesn't want to give anything right now and they're quote unquote dragging the group down yeah it's it's something that if i had a player who was giving zero effort like was being described i would want to talk to them because i'd feel like i'm i'm failing them somehow i'd be like hey mm. i've noticed you've been very kind of disinterested is there is there something wrong like uh you, is, like is it a life thing that you're going through that's causing this or maybe Am I, did I step all over something that you wanted to do? Like, what, what can we, let's work through this. I want you to be more engaged. I would basically say immediately, like, I don't want you to be at, in the group and just not be paying attention and not mm. really invested in anything that's going on. If you're not having fun, I don't think you should stick around and not have fun. If there's something I can do to change it so that you can get more invested, let's do that. Let's talk about what we can do. Um, yeah, and and talk, have that talk, communicate, because that's the only way you're going to learn. Um, and in fact, there is now an additional horror story in the comments that I kind of want to share because I saw it and I was like, oh my Ooh. god, um, <laughs> do tell. All, uh, someone in the comments to the story I just read said, although having been one of those quote unquote low effort players, I feel I need to say it is worth saying some something to them. Maybe there's a reason for it. In my case, I was long distance on Skype. At the time, I noticed I had issues being heard, especially if others were talking. I did some digging, and at the time, I don't know what uh, if it's still the case, but Skype was strictly one-way communication, meaning if I was talking, their mic stopped. Uh, if uh, wait, their mic stopped. If their mic was picking up stuff, I would get muted. Essentially, like if someone else was talking, it would mute everyone else. Mm. Which I, I've, I know, that's true. That's absolutely true. Like, that happens mm -hmm. on, maybe not Skype all, as well, but like, 
stumbling over my words i was gonna say discord this happens sometimes with me depends on yeah. what my audio driver i'm using is like if i'm using my focus bright uh audio interface i come through pretty clean mm -hmm. but if i'm using like a voice mod like i did in the beginning of the episode right uh right. i have audio issues sometimes where people can talk over me and it'll just mute whatever i'm saying mm -hmm. um and so like that's that can be a problem for sure and this person okay. says uh one person on one end and four on the other means any side conversations, people asking the GM questions, or hell, sometimes even the music they were playing took priority over me simply because of the way Skype worked. I mentioned this a few times, including bringing up a, uh, a workaround, two instances of Skype, two calls, one for their sound and one for mine to make uh, two one-way roads for data, and nothing happened. Uh, one day, I was listening to an actual play podcast in one of their uh, non-playing episodes they did, uh, where they uh, took questions from fans. I heard one question from him, the DM, because I knew he listened as well. And when I heard uh, blank from uh, his name from his city or whatever, uh, it was pretty obvious who it was. And they were asking how to get a disinterested player in his group to be more engaged. I just know he was asking about me and that is what broke me. He couldn't pull me aside and ask. He didn't listen when I brought up the problems and offered a solution. Anyway, sometimes there's more going on than just lack of engagement, and it's worth it to make that last ditch. What's going on to see if something can be done about it? That wow, yeah. And then they, and then the okay. original poster and that guy uh, have a kind of a discussion afterwards. Mm. But, so yeah, that's that's an interesting point because I kind of was like uh, putting this uh, issue or example in my mind as the um, everybody at the table scenario. Where this person does bring up a good point where it's like sometimes the computer screen in front of you like acts as a wall to just kind of like detach you from the other players or from the situations where some people just I guess either aren't used to it or it kind of makes it easier for them to become disinterested or in the case of this person actual technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah, I, I, technology really kind of puts up you're not seeing anybody right you don't see the person mm -hmm. unless you're doing like a, a like a camera thing but most groups right. i play with don't do that um we tried doing that once in one of my groups and it lasted a couple of weeks but i i got tired of it because i'm like you know like i like to personally i don't want to be a hundred percent engaged all the time like even mm. though i love dnd i don't want to be engaged all the time because i have the problem of i kind of like to be like if I'm going to be engaged, I like to really be engaged and be, like be making decisions and doing things and saying things, and that can dominate mm -hmm. play. I like more of the seventy percent, like what's what do you describe? Or I like to take a backseat and let other people do stuff, have their own stuff going on that doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't need to be the person mm -hmm. on center stage all the time. Like I want other people to have their moments. Um, so when I'm right. playing, I like to kind of take a backseat. And when that happens, if especially if my character's not present. If my character's not present, then perhaps my, like, even if me, the player, do, doesn't need to know, essentially, that, right? Like, what's, what mm -hmm. is being said, because it wasn't for my character, and therefore, like, my player doesn't actually, it's not need-to-know basis for me. Um, and if they want to share it, they can do it in-game, or just let me know, like, hey, by the way, uh, you would notice this now. You know, like, they can bring it up real quick, mm -hmm. if, they, if that's what they want. Uh, and, and essentially what that means is, especially online, I can work on other stuff while I play. Um, Especially if it's combat too, so it's like, because mm. like, all right, like, combat with minis, 
is engaging because you see everything and you can move shit around. Right. Theater of the mind is a little less because it's nothing. You're not looking at anything. So it's like you're just kind of conceptualizing stuff. And then you have to, when my turn comes up, you better believe I'm going to ask like, okay, what's the situation? I've got to because it's theater of the mind and there's nothing to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I have a, so it's like catch me up. Yeah, catch me up. Like I have a, I have a DM who actually does have his own map, but we don't do rule twenty or whatever. Instead, he just takes a picture of the map and, and updates it on our Discord. He sends like a, a screen cap of it. Oh, okay. That way we can kind of see where everything's at, right? Um, mm-hmm. And if like he moved us somewhere, I'm like, no, no, I didn't want to go there. I wanted to go like two squares to the right. Oh, okay. And then they'll give us a new update with me two squares. Like, mm-hmm. like we can then move sort of. Um, but it's not like it's still kind of theater of the mind. It's like it's like a it's like a halfway point between the two. And I think that works because it gives us a visual, but it also I'll still ask, like, okay, can I get an updated map? And they're like, sure. And then they'll give us an updated map. Instead of him having to describe everything. I might have paid attention. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening while I work. So it's like that's a really good compromise, I feel like, uh, for for uh combats, especially ones where you have players that have long turns where they're like considering all this stuff. Um mm-hmm. which is the bane of uh, of many games you have a player that just gets so sucked in they're like oh, i want to do this i want to do that and i've been that player before like i'm not mm-hmm, shit talking mm-hmm. anybody i've been that person but um yeah it happens it happens too many times to count yeah um not specifically with you just in general because i don't i don't think we've been in a game where with both of us for like a long campaign yet uh not yet but soon mm-hmm. i think soon yeah there's yeah. there's um i think i think it's okay to say it at this point because he is going to stream it uh oh since we're we're getting to kind of the end of the podcast here so we're gonna we're, let's mention a couple things about uh okay what, what people can look forward to um one Dieter and i will be playing in a streamed uh game D game that will be coming up mm. at some point in the future i don't know when because the DM for this game is going to be uh, Captain Cheeky, our, uh, yeah. our friend, who is also the second episode of Podcast of Players. Uh, he is. Hey, look at that. Yeah. So he's going to be having us two along with some other, a lot of other people that I've interviewed. Um, that's coming up soon. We don't know when. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to. Stay tuned. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal anything else. Um, in fact, I'm probably not even going to release this part. If uh, he doesn't give me the express say so, and I'm going to ask him on di- right, yeah, Discord <laughs> after something, you should probably yes, ask I'm him. I'm going to ask him if he says it's fine. It's fine, and this will stay up. If not, I'll just cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're reaching the end of the podcast. So, Dieter, why don't you uh, tell everybody uh, where they can find you again, just to remind everyone? No, oh, all right. Well, um, I'm Vitamin Dieter. You can find me under that name on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram um that's uh vitamin d-i-t-t-e-r um yeah i make uh like i said before some D stuff uh i also make some story times and uh i like to draw <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply i like drawing i like to i like what's to wrong draw. with I that like to, and, why do people yeah. think that's weird <laughs> who said how dare you <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> so come check out my stuff. Uh, I have fun over there. Hopefully you will too. Yes, please go check out Dieter. Go subscribe to him if you haven't already. Uh, and uh, you know me. 
Um, thanks for <laughs> <Hopefully>. listening. <laughs> I don't think I need to say much because uh, this is on my channel. So thank you. Although I will say for Shane, um, if you are listening to this and not subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. He's got some great stuff coming up. And like I've uh, gotten a bit of a sneak peek. You guys are in for something quite fantastic once uh episode three comes out thank you yeah thank you dude that's really nice and yes Dieter's like the only person who's seen pretty much the entire video <laughs> as like a work in progress um mm -hmm. but uh i do have um something I, I i probably don't mention a lot although i'm trying to mention more often is that i do have a patreon so if you want to uh get some early access stuff like uh let's say music stuff or if you want to get like bonus parts of um uh podcasts and players like a lot of times i'll have like extra conversations at the end of an episode that i'll put mm. up on patreon that you can kind of listen to if you're a patreon member um go ahead you <laughs> if you just haven't gotten enough of <laughs> you got a, a conversation if you haven't gotten enough of me just fucking yammering on and on and on uh <laughs> yes you, there's that there's also like behind the scenes art and updates and things like that uh that i put on to patreon so there's no like tier limit like i don't have i don't have time to do tiers and stuff it's just whatever you want <laughs> whatever you uh are, feel free to like uh give is is welcome and you'll get access so uh mm. you can check that out you can also follow me on twitter i also uh use twitter a lot to like promote other um uh, YouTubers like Dieter and Cheeky and others uh, so yeah. that's a good way to kind of like get a, a feel for like the community and also like I posted updates like of what was going on with like episode 3 and stuff on Twitter as well it's a good way to kind of keep up to date with, with me so follow me on uh, Twitter as well and I think that's it thank you for joining me once again Dieter I'll have to get you on again ooh yeah thanks for having me over uh, anytime all right, and uh, to the rest of you, happy Halloween! Ooh. 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 <laughs>